you're like so gay. Hello, all you sexual deviants. <laughs> and sexual deviant wannabes, what's going on? Welcome back to Queering the... What's going on Ew. is that Aaron is frozen on my screen. God damn it. It's so hard being long distance. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how people do this. I've been doing it for, I mean, off and on for like two and a half years. I don't recommend it, but whatever. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever, major loser. Aaron, that's such a cute room you're in. Where are you? <laughs> We're going to start every episode by doing that because Aaron can't seem to stay in the same city. Great. Um, I'm up in San Francisco right now visiting my dad <laughs> again. I mean, what time? What better time than the middle of a, a nationwide pandemic to travel? All right, leave me alone. <laughs> um, I got tested before I came up. I've already had corona. And yeah, so great. I drove up to get out of LA. You've already had corona? Yeah, I don't know if I've talked about that, actually. But I got antibody tested for the hell of it. And it came back positive twice. So I have the... I have the cure. Oh my god. I love that you're acting surprised. You've n- you haven't told me that. Yes, I did. You never told me that. I told you that like at least six times. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, I did because you responded, wow, I hope you weren't near anyone when not you had it. Not a single time. Yes, I did. I literally- You have you were genuinely like f- not told you, me I, this. You were literally the first person that I texted when I got the antibody results and your response- I'm going to check my text. July 4th, your response was, wow, I hope you didn't infect anybody. And I was like, wow, thank you so much for that compassion, Matthew. Okay, first of all, July 4th, how do you expect me to remember anything from back then? Oh yeah, you did t- tell me that. It was literally the shortest conversation ever. Because I was pissed off at your response. Well, I'm sure if you were sick, you would have told me. Plus, if you had the antibodies, it means you're alive. Thank you. I know that. You also... Oh my God. You texted me at 2.30 in the morning over July 4th. Wow. You cannot be mad at me for not remembering that or for not responding the per- perfectly. I have literally <laughs> said it so many times to you. I'm sorry that I haven't explicitly said it to you. It was 2.30 in the morning on July 4th. Uh-huh. And? Do you, do I need to explain how to read between the lines of that one? <laughs> yeah, you do. Because I can't read. Okay, I was wasted. <laughs> Anyways, everyone, yes, I already had corona. I've had the antibodies for two months now. So that's another reason that when I was, like, traveling back east and stuff, I don't want to say that I, like, was relaxed by any means, but it took a little bit of the weight off of my shoulder when I was like, well, I feel a little less bad about, like, fleeing L.A. because I ha- knew I had the antibodies, so. yeah. That's real. Whatever. Don't take medical advice from us. Oh, God, no. I would hope that no one would fucking take medical advice from us. I mean, don't really take much advice from us. <laughs> That's why we bring other people on to talk so that you don't have to listen to us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yes, going back to your original question, that's why I'm in San Francisco right now. <laughs> Um, also because like I was saying in that last episode, I had that art opening this weekend. So I came up um to go to that which was really cool that is super fun i assume they did a really distanced and safe opening and it was, it was cool outdoors so yeah oh amazing yeah it's in the outdoor oh, community so garden cool. but they're doing a an online exhibit right yes 
it's it's outdoors and online and like i would say that it's the first step in what will be a very cool period for them they've never done anything like this really like they've never done a commissioned art show or anything of that regard so it was kind of just like a big trial run that i would say went well yeah we have a zoom call tomorrow to debrief everything about it but yeah it was very cool and now we're doing another one that's gonna start in october oh my god (laughs) the work continues wow look at your hair i mean you can like barely see it my mom got me turned like you turned and i was like oh pony no no not a pony but it's my mom got me these hair like thicker more comfortable hair bands for my second my third daughter (laughs) i know (laughs) and it just like really pulls it all back i'm not used to this i can't decide if i'm gonna like keep growing it or if i should cut it soon i vote cut it eventually because I like it more when it's short. Oh, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm going to cut. Yeah, You're I mean, like, I'm going to cut Obviously I know it looks but... better when it's short, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, but it's like. Kind of, I feel the same way, though. Like, I, I'm to a point where I, like, want to shave my head, but I'm like, ugh, I've come so far. Should I just let it keep going? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I'm like, I will never get the chance to just grow my hair out for eight months again. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm going back into the office now on September 21st, so I probably should cut it before I go back. What's new other than the art show? I started vlogging again. Oh my God. That's right. I watched it. It was cute. Did you really watch it? I did. Well, I liked it and then I started it, but then I got lost on Twitter, uh, which like ends up happening with like almost everything I watch. So I gave you the view. I would say that vlogging for me, like I'm trying to figure out how to make it more engaging because I find vlogging kind of boring personally, but a lot of people really, really love them. So right now I'm like, hey, I should just try to put something online each week and then like through the process of doing that, I'll kind of figure out what I want to make. I mean, I love watching your vlogs. Obviously, it was like more fun when I was consistently, you know, fit and physically in your life. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, like I remember when he was like going to do that. I'd be like, oh my God, I was there. Like could more relate, but I could probably like it even more now because I can be like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah, my life I mean, is I don't so have, I don't have exciting. To... Yeah. I mean, I don't really have to vlog for you to know everything that I'm doing because I'm just reading. Well, I get your Snapchat vlog updates. That's true. That's about as exciting as it gets right now. Also, I think that we deserve, we should let the the audience know what our snap streak is. Oh. I don't think we've told anybody that, but we need to like let the world know. It's 1800. Yeah. (laughs) It should be longer though. Yeah, it's been five years. It's been a long ass time. If anybody knows anyone who's got a longer streak, <laughs> let us know. I'm waiting to hear from Snapchat to confirm that we have the longest streak. Yeah, to receive our reward. I'm sure there's or like somebody out there, but I feel like they should give you like a, a, a t shirt or something when you hit the thousand club, you know, of like everybody who's ever hit a thousand snap streak because that's like impressive. Yeah. They should totally be like, thank you for using our platform so diligently. Yeah, for real. So Snapchat, I would I expect a t-shirt in the mail from you soon. Uh, all right. Well, I think that we should get into this week's episode because this is this is a this is an incredible episode that we have this week and it's just really special and really different and really exciting and I'm super excited to kind of present it to the world. Me too. I was I was super nervous going into it to be honest and it turned out way better than I Yeah 
thought it would. Yeah, it's definitely, it was one where we're like going into it, we were like, we don't know what questions to ask. We don't know how to prepare for this. Like, will it be a 15 minute interview and then it'll be over? It was not. It, it probably could have gone on for like four hours, honestly, because there was so much, yeah. so much to talk about. I genuinely logged on to the interview and was like, oh, fuck, I should have researched Soviet Russia a little better. <laughs> yeah, so... The, and I was like, the research I could have done for this was just like never ending, probably. But literally, I didn't know near that. Nothing. I knew nothing. I know nothing. I'm an American. I know nothing about geography and about other countries. Come on, <laughs> they didn't teach us jack shit about any of that in school. But basically, Matt and I were both divers at Tufts, and then my junior year and Matt's senior year, we had Tasia join us on the diving team. She was a walk-on who was a professional trampolinist or maybe not professional but like a, comp- a competitive she was a- elite level competitive that's the word i was looking for she walked onto the diving team or for her freshman year the rest is history she reached out to matt when she listened to the first few episodes of the podcast because she has her mom is a lesbian yeah her mom is a lesbian who grew up in soviet russia which is just like not something you hear every day <laughs> Yeah, seriously. So I think it's always important and interesting to hear from queer parents just because there aren't as, it, in my experience or in my eyes, there aren't quite as many queer parents as there are queer people like our age for a, a number of reasons. So it, I think it's always a really interesting um, viewpoint. Yeah. Add on coming from Soviet Russia, I mean... Yeah, a lot of a lot of intersecting interesting things <laughs> going on here. So, so in this episode we have a very incredible interview with Elena and then afterwards it's going to transition into a follow-up interview that we did with Tasia that's shorter. Um, but just kind of talking about it was all Elena's idea. Talk- so, shout out. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of talks about things from Tasia's perspective afterwards, you know, being being the child going through this seeing your mom having her coming out so we weren't necessarily sure how to formulate the episode whether it would make more sense to kind of like intersplice it but we think that just kind of keeping it all together and then keeping tossies all together is a good a good way of doing it so yeah and if you have any thoughts on like things that tossie didn't doesn't get to talk about or like more things you want to hear from queer parents or like any suggestions on how you think we might have been able to like have the two of them together better let me know let us know (laughs) just let matt know so his dms are open i don't want to hear it i don't know how many times i don't know how many times i have to keep saying it this is my podcast okay (laughs) goodbye cruel world aaron's gonna kill me if it weren't for him there wouldn't be a podcast when aaron dies of covid the the podcast dies with him it genuinely will i don't know how to do any of the stuff that you do so yeah which is basically everything i just talk (laughs) on that note we're gonna transition into elena's interview but stick around afterward for tasia's thoughts as well Elena, I'm thank you so much I'm for so joining excited. us. Yeah, me too. Yes. Wonderful. All right. How may I help you? <laughs> All right. Thank you for agreeing to to chat with us today. When I got that text from Tasia, 
suggesting that we have you on our our new podcast. Um, I was super excited and oh my gosh, so many ideas and I don't even know what to expect. And I'm just very yeah. excited to, to chat with you today. I'll Same. do my best, okay? I'm not sure <laughs> what I can say can be so exciting or whatever, but, but shoot, I'll answer. <laughs> awesome. Do you want to start by telling us just a little bit about yourself? My name is Elena. I was born in Soviet Union a long time ago. As you know, the country doesn't exist anymore. I graduated from the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology. It is like a Soviet Union version of Caltech, but bigger in size. Over there, I got married to a man first time and got divorced and immediately got married to another man. Both of them were students at the same university. I had my first daughter uh, and we moved to Tajik Republic. That was a republic inside uh, a Soviet Union. Uh, the reason we went there because it, it had fresh air and nice nature and everything. And we were employees of the Moscow Institute of Physics of the Earth. And over there in Tajik Republic was a seismic station uh, where we studied earthquakes. Our oldest child roamed three, free over there for, for like from age of zero to about age of three. And at that time I got up and uh, left to United States to do PhD. I was accepted to the University of Southern California without filing any applications, without anything. That was an uh, interesting story because <laughs> I, oh. I, I was in Tajik Republic in the mountains, basically. Um, it's about five hour drive from the capital, Dushanbe, it was called at the time. And um, so, so uh, a professor from uh, uh, USC came to that remote location and my then boss told him, why don't you take this girl with you to America? I'm like, what? to America <laughs> and then she's like don't don't mess it up I'm like, okay fine <laughs> so the guy asked me several questions said okay I'll take you you see KGB at that remote village they didn't have anything better to do than to watch over the scientists at this seismic station because the rest of the people were in their world not interesting they were just Tajiks who made their own business so they were watching over us. So I couldn't give this man, my future professor, my future advisor, any single piece of paper. So he admitted me to USC without anything, with wow. no proof of anything. <laughs> Just he told me, when you arrive, please bring your diploma and everything, okay? Oh my gosh. So, so I came to USC on Christmas of uh, 1989. It was literally 25th of December. And I didn't know that it was Christmas it, because there was no religion in Soviet Union. So we didn't uh, celebrate Christmas or whatever. It was just forbidden to, uh, to go with any religion. That's how I am an atheist, but you know. So anyway, uh, and ever since I'm here, uh, I did my PhD at uh, USC in earthquake engineering, actually officially civil engineering. And um, we then moved to North Carolina and worked there for, for GFX, that was a small um, private company. 
both me and my husband and my uh, oldest daughter. And then we moved to Virginia and uh, that's where Tassie was born. And then her, her younger sister was born. Um, and you see, uh, well, eventually I found strength in myself to uh, divorce my husband because um, the reason I married both my first and my second husband was because that's how it was supposed to be, you know. In mm -hmm. the Soviet Union, you're supposed to marry, if you're a woman, you're supposed to marry a man. And it, I mean, yeah, you can stay sig single, but it's basically either single or marry a man. And there was no other choice. And even when I was at FISTEC, at, uh, FISTEC Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology, I like fell in love with a woman, with, my, with a student that was, you know, uh, studying with me next to me. It was, first of all, it was illegal. Any uh, homosexual relationships were illegal in Soviet Union. It was not only illegal by law, but it was looked at by society as the word inappropriate doesn't describe it. <laughs> yeah. This disgusting, uh, stupid, unnatural. Here in United States, uh, the people who don't like us, they say, you know, ungodly. But given that there is no religion, they didn't. Uh, they didn't say these words. But it was, it was very much uh, not considered to be not proper. So I married a man, and just continued as I, you know, as expected. I'm glad I had the children I have, but 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 other than that, it was a struggle, in my personal struggle. So eventually, we divorced, and uh, now I'm married to a wonderful uh, woman, um, Natalia, and uh, we raise all our children together. Well, they are mostly grown up by now. Like you know, Tasi is your guy's age, so yeah. That that's the brief uh, version. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, really. Um, how how long ago did you um, like come out? Well, you know, there are two. You probably know there are two coming outs. First, you come out to yourself, mm -hmm. and then yeah. you come out to to society. The the coming out to myself was probably harder. You know, you grow up from the very little age and. And you know how it's supposed to be, and it's supposed to be one man and one woman and kids and and everything else seems just screwed up. That's how you are raised. That's how I was raised in Soviet Union. And to recognize that that you may love somebody, not the opposite sex, is is something that is you, you have to get used to it. And the, the first time when I fell in love in, in, in college, I uh, looked at it as a friendship, you know, it's a friendship. And, and, and that's how it was and, the, and, and that's how I looked at it. And I wasn't allowing myself to think, I guess, that it's more than a friendship. Actually, it became more than a friendship when this girl came to visit me in United States. And that was when we were like 30 five already years old or something like this maybe 33 i came here when i was 27 so it took several years and then you know before i had funds to uh, um, invite her and pay for her ticket and then she came and that was 
long time. So somewhere like when I was about 33, I allowed myself to think that I am probably not straight. And only after, probably after I was 45, uh, when actually we were divorcing with my husband, Tasha's father, I, I, I said, look, I, I cannot do it anymore. I, I cannot pretend. I pretended uh, uh, for 27 years being your faithful wife, but it's really, really hard every time. And I said a lot of uh, words when, when I was explaining that. Tasha's father is a very good person. The only mm. bad thing about him is sorry that he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, he, he's wonderful. It's just I wish he was a woman. And, mm -hmm. and then I would love him till the end of my days. Uh, I still respect him as a father of my children, but, but you know, because he, th I don't know how, how, I mean, I don't know how it works, but, you know, I guess guys who are getting into a situation like this with, uh, with wives who are actually lesbian, they have to trick their own mind every time to convince themselves that the wife is happy because it should be seen, it should be observable, but I, I don't know, I guess it's not very very observable, or maybe not everyone would like to, to, to observe or to notice. It took me a long time to recognize it myself and then to do something about it, because even after decade, two decades of uh, living in this country, I didn't, I didn't quite understand that I can divorce a man and marry a woman. I, it just, it, it's, you know, it takes a long time. How different do you think things would be if you were if you hadn't come to the U.S. when you were 27? Do you think you would have moved to another country so that you can live openly? Uh, is that even like an appropriate question? I'm not. I'm not sure. Well, it's an interesting question, and uh, the fact that I am a lesbian is it's very important to me, of course, and to the way I live, and. Uh, and, and so on, but I have kids. Taking care of my kids and making sure they, they are okay and you know, this is probably what governs my life. If I were not to come here, the force that drove me here was not the freedom of uh, self-expression as far as my sexual orientation, but the desire to do PhD and do science and be a scientist and you know, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Why? Because like I told you back then, I had no earthly idea that it is possible in any country to just just be yourself and uh, like not being married to a man and then be married to a woman and live happily in this relationship. I didn't know that it was possible. Of course, I read some books and of course, you know, only when I came here, and look, I lived here for so many years before I could make that step in Russia or Soviet Union, in racist Putin, Russia, with where every every freedom thought is hated, including, uh, you know, the society being so much against uh, homosexuals and or, or against anything that is not, uh, you know, traditional. I don't think that thought would even evolve in my head that makes sense do you go back to russia or the former soviet union countries uh, ever I, can you 
go back there? It's it, there's so many uh, ways to say no. Right. <laughs> I was there after I left in '89. I was there uh, in 1995 one time, and that was it. My parents currently live there, but theoretically they can travel here. My mom is a citizen of United States. My dad is a famous scientist. Maybe just to visit them, but we talk over Skype and whatever. I am uh, afraid to go there. I don't want to go there alone. I uh, saw videos how uh, actually lesbians for kissing each other in public were uh, arrested by police or whatever. I, uh, that was several years ago. Maybe now Russia has bigger problems to solve. I don't know, but I do not feel safe going back for uh, many reasons. I, I am a former citizen. I, I have important work here in United States. Who knows if they want to grab me and never let me go, uh, regardless of my sexual orientation. And if I go there with my wife and I have no idea what happens if we hold hands in public. I don't know. Besides, why? I saw the beauties of of this of Russia. It, it's it has tremendous cultural heritage. It is very interesting, and so on. I, I saw a lot of it. Thank you. There is a lot of other world I can explore, a lot of other continents and very interesting countries which I can visit and and you know enjoy. Definitely. Wow. That must be incredibly difficult to be so afraid to you can't even really go visit your parents i mean i yeah i i do you have a desire to go back though like if <sighs> if they if you knew that it was gonna be safe i don't know i feel i'm i just i don't well uh, you see it's hard to have desire when you know it's not safe mm-hmm. yeah and if other russians were to hear me now they would say what stupid thing is this lady saying what do you mean not safe i'd go back anytime everybody has their own thinking and their way of the brain wiring only if there is uh, i don't know if my job sends me there or you know, something like that but i am hoping that my parents will be the covid will be over and maybe my parents will be able to get up and uh, again come here mm-hmm. Uh, my mom lived in U.S. for many years. My dad was coming and going many times. He had a permanent residency here. I don't have anything to go back to over there. Maybe this sounds harsh, but if there was a different, uh, a different ruler, but but Putin with, with his made-up elections and brainwashing and and him being present for life and you know recently they adopted the change to constitution which practically nullified his previous terms so now he can start anew and who knows if his terms are ever going to expire and by the way i i I saw tv um some show not show whatever when when a reporter is walking in moscow streets and asking are you for the um, uh, for the new constitution? And the guy says no. And he asks another one, "Are you for the new constitution?" He says no. He didn't find any single person who would say yes, 
Overwhelmingly, this change to constitution was accepted. How? <laughs> Just how? The, the Russia is the country without laws, and regardless of sexual orientation, I, I am a little bit spoiled here. I like when laws are obeyed. I don't want to go to the country where laws are just, I don't know. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. Jumping back, something that you said earlier that really I find so interesting is, I mean, I knew in the back of my mind that there was no religion really in, so, in the Soviet Union, but it's so interesting to me that even without religion, there was this level of homophobia and just like gay is wrong because I feel like in America, a lot of this homophobia is justified through religion. You know, it's a lot of this, like, God hates gays, like, you're going to go to hell. So it's so interesting to me that even without religion, it still oh, yeah. persisted. <laughs> like, of, co of course it it's does. Still, but... It still persisted. And, and you know, it's, uh, I, I tried to actually read up how, how did it end up this way. Uh, and I, I read that back many centuries ago, Russia was actually more tolerant of uh, gay people than Europe. Whoa. Then one of, it, like in the 17th century, 18th century, there was a czar uh, who started to, to uh, push Russian culture towards European style. And then there was Peter the Great who pushed even more. And as Russia was pushed towards Europe, that's when uh, this hate towards gays was like, you know, reignited or, or, or started, I'm not sure. And then it's like when the, next, when the next government was taking over, it was trying to nullify all the laws and all the customs of the previous style, the previous government. So when the Bolshevik Revolution came, they actually... Uh, they they uh, nullified the laws that were there against gays, surprisingly, you know. But then, uh, when inside uh, inside uh, this um, after the immediate revolution, which happened in 1917, then there was a lot of uh, gyration, a lot of changes, and and then Stalin came to power, and Stalin wanted to have a a, a new slate. And he changed the laws again, and and homosexuals again became out of you know illegal and the harshest punishment and this and that. And then when Stalin was dead, the next guy who came, Nikita Khrushchev, he was like, oh, it's okay, let's you know. And then it was changed again. So it was going back and forth, back and forth, law-wise, you know, legal-wise, it was going back and forth. But somehow, I, I'm not sure what the mechanism of it was, but in the minds of people, it was persistently considered to be wrong for many decades. So even now, even, even back when, when it started to wake up, the perestroika and... Uh, all these new new moves, even over there, even among people who are usually leading the intellectual uprising, if you will, even among scientists and stuff, it wasn't, if you ask anybody, it's, it, it wasn't considered to be proper. And, oh. and honestly, I don't know where, where the roots are coming from. Wow, that's super interesting that it legally just kind of went back and forth. I never, yeah, I never would have guessed that. It's not something uncommon to see that like public perception perception and public opinion isn't always lined up with the law. I mean, I think we even see that 
in this country today, but that might be a, <laughs> a topic for another time. Um, this country today, yeah, we can talk forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Russian Orthodox Church is pretty big now, right? And I wonder, did they feed into a lot of the homophobia that we see today? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Where there may not have been a clear uh, drive for public perception or public opinion before, now it seems like it might even be worse. Probably. It was, the gays are bad, that was lingering in the mind of people, and now church comes and reinforces that. Of course it became worse. Uh, some of them are nice and and uh, logical and whatever, but they think they never saw a homosexual. Mm. They think that this is, I don't know, some sort of evil people who, you know. I remember uh, when here in United States we had a gathering of Russian songs, whatever, whatever, guitars, this, that. My wife actually is a very good singer. I'm talking to somebody Russian, in Russian talking, and he is like, oh, you know, you know, I, how do you know her? I'm like, she's my wife. <laughs> wife? So many things were written on his face. Wait a minute, she's normal, you are normal, and you are married? You guys are gays? How is it possible? These two things cannot be together. You are either gay or abnormal, or, you know. You see, also another thing that was, that was and still is, in, 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 peop, in minds of Russian people, homosexual, especially homosexual men, are equated with pedophilia. If you are gay, that means you are uh, doing it to little boys, basically. Look, let's disconnect these two things, okay? The rapists uh, of any kind are bad. To boys, to girls, it does not matter. But what two adults are doing in their bedroom has nothing to do with, you know, with pedophilia. And that thought is very hard to, to get into people's mind when for decades they were brainwashed that gays and pedophilia is one and the same. And when they are <laughs> looking at two lesbians, they're like, wow, it's just out of their um, corner system altogether. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It does not compute. <laughs> does not compute. That's the right. That's the right. Wow. Yeah. I do want to move a little bit in a different direction um, for a second. I'm just interested. I think as the first guest that we've had on who has children, could you tell us a little bit about what it was like coming out to your children? Because I would imagine that that is must be so much different than coming out yeah. to any anybody I mean I can't I can't even really <laughs> I also would love to hear about you coming out to your parents when I came out to my oldest daughter she was she already graduated from Reed College she had a boyfriend they lived together so me and my uh, now ex-husband uh, came to visit them and, and like say okay guys we're divorcing and you know that's the reason and they're hmm how interesting oh okay well good luck to all of you you know <laughs> 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 my oldest daughter was an adult and her boyfriend an adult and you realize that I'm more to the left of the political spectrum than to the right. She considers me that I'm way too to the right, you know. For her it was super easy to uh, to accept uh, that. To my uh, younger kids, I'm trying to compute. Well, for them it was a little bit harder because there was a logistics involved because it's not like I was explaining to them, but we were 
visiting Natalia's family, I, I used to take both of them and we were to drive to Maryland. We live in Virginia, but we were driving to Maryland. That was a long drive and we stayed overnight, played with the boys. Uh, and and uh, They played with her kids? Yeah, they played with her kids. Uh, her kids were the same age, more or less, as, as my younger, as my two younger kids. So it was, you know, it was the right dynamics between kids and we all, you know, it was all good. But I do not remember any conversations like, oh, guys, you know, it's, you know. in fact, I don't know. Tasha probably indeed is right. a better person to ask. And for, uh, for even for my youngest daughter, who is now 17, uh, I don't think she like consciously realized any anything wrong <laughs> because because uh, uh, you know when when natalia moved to, with her uh, boys moved to our house gosh that was uh, i'm trying to compute it's hard tasha was sasha was 10 and tasha was 14 but that was already when they moved before that uh, we were together for another like 3 years so it was uh, it was happening in front of them so Mm -hmm. uh, like this whole move from from living with a dad to living, you see. Another thing is that that it's not it wasn't that much of a coming out. It was divorce. Divorce is always unpleasant to the kids, no matter what the reason, mm -hmm. no matter uh, whether or not it is peaceful. We were very fortunate, me and my ex-husband, that we had enough brains to divorce peacefully. And we divided everything equally and uh, both uh, paying for kids' college. And everything is peaceful. I can imagine uh, in similar situations when one half or the other half behaves unreasonably and it becomes very ugly. Mm -hmm. With us, we were lucky it didn't, it was not ugly. That's super interesting. I mean, I, in my mind, I kind of always would picture a situation like yours is you know there's gonna be like a big sit down with the kids like okay I know I was married to a man before but this is Natalia she's my <laughs> girlfriend you know it's it's super interesting to hear that it yeah uh, kind of wasn't so so like formal and yeah it wasn't formal it was little by little happening you see in it, actually me and my ex we were building uh, a, a, a house a, a dacha uh, second home and Natalia uh, despite the fact that she's a very big scientist she's also a very good carpenter so she came out to help us uh, during this construction and um, that's when actually yeah I, I, I recall now how little were the youngest kids when they first knew each other we have a picture of our two youngest dancing together and they are so tiny I guess they're like maybe six or seven years old. That's so so cute. Yeah. they were together from the age of six and seven years. And uh, uh, they saw Natalia helping us in construction and they saw us interacting. And it was a very gradual switch from me plus their dad to me plus Natalia plus their dad to me plus Natalia and their dad living separately and they are free to visit him anytime they want. And, uh, like that so so i don't uh i never asked my kids hey guys was it hard on you i did not but i know that my kids are very uh and natalia's kids are very big uh, supporters of gay rights and 
I mean, come on, uh, my daughter has gay flag on her, you know, the, the rainbow flag in her room. I don't. Uh, <laughs> one of them, I don't remember whether it was Stasio, Sasha, or both of them, they went to gay parade in Washington, D.C. I didn't go. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> and and Tasha has a boyfriend, and Sasha had couple, uh, and doesn't have anyone now. Whatever. So, so I mean, they look like they're straight to me, but they are fighting for gay rights. Mm -hmm. um, and and Natalia's uh, uh, boys uh, uh, were always, you know, they they're always for all equality of all human beings of whatever kind they are and whatever colors and beliefs and uh, orientations or origins they are, they, they are always for, for equality. So I guess we didn't behave that badly to instill any bad feelings towards gays in them. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if this is along your questioning or not, but I just want to say we, uh, Natalia and I just bought a house uh, together uh, uh, on, in, um, on the island Vieques in Puerto Rico. Wow. But, yeah, we hope that will be our retirement. Congratulations. Thank yeah, you. Uh, yeah, retirement place. But you know what? The concentration of gay people over there is unbelievable. <laughs> really? <laughs> really. It, it seems to be like, you know, um, it's um, Puerto Rico, so it's Spanish, it's closer to Christian type of, you know, it's closer mm -hmm. to church, probably. They should be against, but it's not that the natives there are, are uh, you know, gay in numbers, but people who are coming there to live, there's a real estate, uh, there are several real estate agencies. One is held by two two people, two, two guys who, who are uh, a, a gay couple. Uh, when we, Natalia and I were there, like three years ago, we are there every year, but three years ago we uh, met a wonderful retired lesbian couple there. And uh, now we are watching you know, like uh, uh, home home improvement movies or something, uh, HDTV, whatever. <laughs> HDTV, so, yeah. yeah. And there are, there are several episodes about Vekas and there are like total, I don't know, five, seven. And in this five or seven episodes, there is one gay couple buying the house. Oh my gosh, so, wow. And there are other, other, other places that, that uh, other couples that Natalia already found there by searching because well we, we we want to find out how to do certain things and we're just searching for names and and just they're popping up <laughs> oh it's like that that's the safe heaven where people gay people go to retire i don't know why <laughs> you have to look into that yeah yeah really. interesting. <laughs> Vieques, puerto rico yeah remember Amazing. that <laughs> yeah Very if i cool. ever get to retire <laughs> yeah well <laughs> You still have like what fifty years left for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I hope not that long, but <laughs> I really love to hear that um that all of the kids are, you know, super I mean, I know I know Tasia is obviously, but to hear that the rest yeah. of the kids are, you know, super on board and that it didn't kind of create any major issues or falling outs. Um that's well, nice to hear. I feel like you no. did it in a good way too. I think the gradual change is probably with young kids. I yeah, would think yeah. one of the best ways to do it. Mm -hmm. So how did you meet Natalia? A Russian community in Washington, D.C. slash Virginia slash Maryland. I don't even know how to call it large or or small, but there is this sub-community sub where 
uh, with a culture of singing songs uh, with guitar. It's not exactly folklore songs, but these are the songs uh, created. It's uh, one uh, author songs. Uh, one person writes music words and sings it. But the songs were about, not about love, like usual, you know, or, or whatever. Uh, this was about, uh, some of them were semi-political, some of them were about like freedom and, uh, and but then they just evolved and there are many topics to it. So it's a whole movement. Uh, we call them bards and they, they mm. use guitar and Natalia is one of those who sings these songs very well. So there are these gatherings of people who, who sing these songs uh, every so often. Uh, that's how our more or less community that I am part of is, is, uh, is living. So, and Natalia came and was one of, was a part of this community. And uh, through this community, she, be, she, she learned that we needed somebody to help with our Dacia construction. Uh, she, okay. she, she came uh, because in her youth, uh, she used to be a carpenter. Well, she was just helping her dad, uh, who was actually an engineer, <laughs> but Soviet Union fell apart. He had to do something. Mm -hmm. So he started to do carpentry and she, he was very good at it. And she was even better. That's how That's I learned. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, she, she came to, to help us. And then I'm curious, also jumping back to what we were talking about before, if you feel comfortable talking on it. Um, I'm curious how your relationship with your parents has been since you're you're coming out and you're, oh my god uh, yeah my parents uh, probably a typical representative of of uh, of this uh, Soviet intellectual cohort. My dad is a famous scientist, uh, very famous. Uh, my mom was working with him all her life and uh, doing a lot of publications with him. So anyway, people like that, you would think, uh, would, would, you know, would be supportive. When I told my mom that I'm getting a divorce, it wasn't even the fact that I'm, that I'm a lesbian. It's just the fact that I'm getting a divorce. Mm. I didn't mm. have any understanding. I had zero understanding because, uh, you see, in her world, you marry once and you just live with it. Uh, well, I already married twice, so, mm. but still, you marry young and you live with it. And mm. if you're divorcing, you are breaking something that is supposed to be holding. Mm -hmm. So she right. was very, very unhappy. And then, yeah, then, then she started to become unhappy towards Natalia. Uh, my dad was far away at the time. He was in, in Russia, but mom was nearby. So she, she knew, well, I, at some point I had to tell her that she's not welcome in our house. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was rough. Um, I showed her that I told her in plain Russian that any showing of displeasure with Natalia or her kids uh, are uh, unacceptable. And, you know, if I see it once more again, you will not be allowed into my home ever. So she moved, uh, not because of that, but things mm -hmm. you know, just evolved mm -hmm. and she moved back to Russia. I don't know, maybe she became wiser, maybe something else. Now she's very accepting and she makes uh, a point to send her greetings to Natalia every time and to the boys. And uh, 
always like, yeah, Yeah. after the first big bump, big bump, it became much better. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I'm very happy to hear that. Natalia's mom is is, uh, also very accepting. Well, how should I say? She's training herself to be accepted, Mm -hmm. accepting. Mm -hmm. She uh, likes me. She gives me presents. She, you know, that little little various things that a grandma can create like knitting and things like that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um yeah she's very sweet very nice lady uh and and uh but i i know that it it's very hard in her mind to to accept it 100 percent. it's not 100 percent. and her family uh not her family but her friends on the other side over there she lives in ukraine they, uh, some of them plainly don't know. They think that Natalia oh, wow. divorced and and never married again. She told those whom she couldn't not tell, but she's right. not telling those who she doesn't have to tell. She's not telling about us. Wow. It must be tough for that to be the case. I think it probably helps not being in the same country as some of those people. So probably, you know, day-to-day life, it probably isn't too difficult but i can't imagine it's easy in any regard yeah but you know guys i'm also not very young i am uh, much more accepting than than i used to be in my younger age and like you know when sasha who just called me on the phone sees something that is unfair or tasis sees something that is unfair they're ready to jump and go fight and well when you're 57, you learned that you choose your battles, that you you take the good that you see and don't try to make it 100% good because you can just break it and, and then you'll have zero instead of whatever you, you already have. You, you gave me a great idea to, to talk to my kids about it, uh, uh, to <laughs> talk to my kids like how, how does it look from a side when... when your parents from being mom and dad switch all of a sudden like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I have now, I wouldn't call her a friend, but I have an acquaintance. I never saw her. It's a Facebook friendship. Mm. Uh, But I have a a lady who had two kids with a guy uh, who decided to switch his gender and now is a woman. Mm. and then she's Russian. I don't know whether he was American or he was Russian when she married him or whatever. And now it's a her. And I think that is a very interesting dynamic. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I asked her, uh, I mean, look, it's such a puzzle. How do you explain it to your kids that they had a dad? And now, like, like how it, does it work? Um, mm-hmm. And apparently what she said was that uh, the way I explained it to my kids is just the way I explain it to myself. And that is that uh, this person, I don't know the name actually. um, It's not like she was your dad and now she's your second mom. She always was a mom, but she just didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. And then when she realized that that's the case, she explained it to everybody. And now it's a second, they actually, they're not divorced, but they're separated, uh, but they are friendly separated. So they mm-hmm. go, kids, kids are here and there, you know, that is, I think even more puzzling than what happens to, 
to people like me who divorced right. him and became mm -hmm. people are amazing what people can do and how they can switch and how they can uh, uh, accept the reality that it all of a sudden became new reality and kids are amazing double amazing how easily they just oh okay you know this just tells you that kids are born without any preconceptions without prejudice without hate towards uh lgbtq of any you know of any flavor mm -hmm. that kids just love people who are good they love their parents whatever these parents are uh, two boys mom and dad two girls mom and dad who all of a sudden became mom and mom you know it it's all okay with kids as long as you maintain good relationship with kids and you attend to their needs and you raise them kind and you know all of this um kids are nice uh, as long as they're not indoctrinated into some strange beliefs <laughs> they should yeah. hate somebody all of a sudden right yeah that totally makes sense i have uh, a question for you we've we ask pretty much all of our guests this, but if you, what, what's like advice that you would give out to other people or like what advice would you have for your younger self? Don't be afraid. Listen to yourself, be true to yourself. Don't force yourself into something that you do not like. Just just listen to yourself. As long as what you're doing is not uh, harming any other specific human being, it's fine to be whatever you are. Don't be afraid. I like that. Yeah, I love that. We've touched on it throughout the entire interview, but I think one last question that I'm also curious about um, is how you've seen if you've seen a change in yourself and in your life since you came out like you said that there were two coming outs to yourself and then to the world around you and of, of course it's gonna change your whole world but i'm curious how you've seen you if you've know, seen changes in yourself when i came out to myself i i probably became angrier why because why am i doing this i mean i am not that why I'm doing this? Why again I'm doing this? I hate this. Why am I doing this? And I was angry towards myself and towards my ex-husband and towards my kids and towards the whole world because I felt I am, I knew now that I'm in the wrong setup. And when I finally figured out that I can stop that, that became much better. I, I felt that I became calmer, I became kinder. Hey, it's so nice not to lie every day. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yes. So the, that was this, this uh, shift, like, in one direction, then into another, and, and even further than I was before. I think I'm uh, better now than I used to be many years ago. Of course, age is a lot to do with it, but uh, as far as my personal life, I am much, much, much happier. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. I mean, this was yeah. so fun to, it was so nice to talk to you. I mean, I, I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot of Russian history, which was cool. <laughs> yes, same. Um, but it was just really wonderful to, to hear your story. 
Oh, one other thing, actually, that I was okay. meaning to ask. When you and Natalia got married when Tasia was in college, right? Yeah. Na, uh, Natalia moved to uh, my, my house with her boys in 2013. Tasia was still here in high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, marriage was still illegal. Uh, Same-sex marriage was still illegal in Virginia. It was legal, I believe, in D.C., and we entertained the thought of maybe we can, you know, D.C. allowed to allowed non-residents to be married, but the whole thing was a little bit too much hassle. But mm -hmm. then finally there was this uh, repeal of uh, DOMA Act. Uh, mm -hmm. Remember that act? Uh, yeah, Defe DOMA. Defense of Marriage Act, something like yep. that. Yep, there was a repeal right. of that, and after that the um, uh, same-sex marriage became legal all over the United States, and uh, just about like a year after that we got married. So we, we were already, you know, living mm -hmm. together and then, you know, some kids went to college and yeah. And then we I have like I have like a vague memory of Tossie like telling me at, at diving practice, she was like, Oh, like my mom's getting married and I remember her like yeah. kind of she had like <laughs> told us such great things about it and it sounded amazing. Yeah, we we had to make it such that uh, uh, at that time Tasia was the only college student that Tasia mm -hmm. can come to the marriage. So we put it into into Thanksgiving one the day mm -hmm. before Thanksgiving so that she's already mm -hmm. here. But cool. Thanksgiving didn't close the whole thing yet. And we had a guy uh, who lived uh, in our basement. He was renting uh, from us. And we actually were instrumental in uh, getting his fiance from Azerbaijan, I think, here. So he... Uh, he, he later on brought his his guy here, okay? But at the time, he was living alone in our basement. So he was our uh, marriage celebrant. You know how they uh -huh. you can pay a fee and become the celebrant and mm -hmm. perform the legal marriage. So he was the one. Uh, we, um, we had all our kids. Natalia's mom was here visiting us. And uh, we had this guy, his name is Ismail. We had Ismail with us. And I remember Natalia's mom, we were in the restaurant, uh, an Indian restaurant of all places. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I asked them before that, will they be against uh, a marriage uh, officially done in their restaurant? They're, no, it's fine. Well, that will be a gay marriage. Well, that's fine, no problem. So, okay, so we, <laughs> we were in this restaurant. And I remember Natalia's mom sitting there and like, okay, so where is, when is the official going to come? And we're like, don't worry, everything is taken care of. Don't worry, everything is taken And then finally, when we ordered food and there was this break, we tell Ismail, okay, now you, you do it. So Ismail got up and read on paper, whatever, you know, he had the speech that he had to read, blah, 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 blah. I hereby pronounce you, you know, to be married. And, and uh, Natalia's mom was like, and that's it? That's this legal thing? So yeah, it's it's legal. I can't believe it. It's just so simple. Very cool. Okay, I'll stop throwing in questions now. Very cool. Very cool. That's right. Thank you again for coming on and chatting with us today. This was very eye-opening and fun. Yeah. yeah. Just to end things, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Maddie Roar. <laughs> you can find me everywhere, Aaron Idelson. And our podcast Instagram is Queering the Air Pod. 
And thank you again to Elena for your time and your incredible story. Yes, seriously. Uh, you're welcome. And it was fun chatting with you guys. It was fun. It was fun. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your days. Thank you. All right. Bye. 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 forward <laughs> i guess i don't know how we're gonna like splice these two together yet but we are now joined by our friend tasia tasia Hello. Why, why do we have you in this episode with elena so elena's my mom so oh, that's probably... okay. there we go uh, <laughs> oh, that, clear, that cleared us all up yeah got it but yeah i i reached out to matt and aaron because i started listening to some of their episodes earlier and when Matt was talking about connecting with like other generations, I think that really resonated with me, especially because like, I don't think I've taken full advantage of talking to my mom about a lot of her experiences because like they are so unique and like so different than mine um, that I thought it would be like a good opportunity for her to like, and also I don't think she's really talked about it that much. So I thought it would be like nice for her to talk to somebody about it. And yeah. What has she like told you and talked to you about before in regards to this honestly like not very much um she's talked to me a little about like her experience with the soviet union not about like her identity but about like other things because um uh, like religion and things like that um we've talked about and also just like when i tell her about things that happen like in school like what we're taught we talked about like what she's taught but never really about like how she saw herself in that world basically what happened was she and my dad got divorced and all they told me so i have like me and my little sister are four years apart and i have my biggest my older sister who's 12 years older and the only thing she told me my little sister was just like oh our time is up like we like we've had our good times and now like we're gonna go apart and like do our own things and they were always still like friends i'd never seen like any of my friends parents get divorced and then have their parents be like still so friendly afterwards mm -hmm. um and I'm sure it's like different for you, but like that's just what I've seen and I, I she never told us like why yeah. until um she met like her new wife and she started like seeing her but even then when they were like together all the time I was like oh female friendship is so good like I'm so happy <laughs> <there>. <laughs> um, and then when she finally like when her her I guess then girlfriend moved into our house was when I think I first realized what was happening and we never really had that conversation and I think the the first time that we actually talked about it was like around the time that um her wife moved in it was I was in like early high school so I was also like finding myself and things like that like and I think the way that I see myself is very like I don't want to give like labels or anything like that's just how I view it. If I think I had to identify myself some way, I would probably say bisexual. But um, because of that like way of I don't really care to have a label for myself, I never really felt like I needed to talk to her about it either. And but then like one time, um, I remember sitting in the car with her driving, and I was like, I probably sh like I want to say something. And so I was like, so are you bi or like, <laughs> what, 
I'm laughing so hard because I feel like this situation always happens, but the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's always the parent that's sitting in the car and they're like, so like, it's totally okay if you're gay. Like, (laughs) yeah. um, So funny. Yeah. And and she was like, oh, no, no, I'm a lesbian. (laughs) And (laughs) she was like, look, I tried it. I know for sure it's not for me. It's like a lesbian, period. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so funny. And I think at that, when I talked to her about that, at that point, I was so uncomfortable just talking about things like that, that the conversation didn't really go anywhere after that. But yeah, so that that was really like the only time that I sat down and like even addressed it with her. Um, and the only other time that I can think of is like talking about sexuality is when I was filling out like college applications and like scholarship forms and they have like check marks for like, if you want to mass apply to scholarships, you you like, you can check your identity. Like if you apply for like minority identities mm-hmm. and it was like what's your sexuality it was like a required thing on one of these and my mom was like watching me fill this out in case there was any like oh money God. questions and it was like I felt like my heart racing you know I was like I have to answer this and she's looking and she was like I don't care I'll look away if you want like just like <laughs> <laughs> um, that I don't care I'll look away if you want what like <laughs> like aggressive way of saying like I don't care if you're not straight I can't believe that a scholarship would ask that but yeah yeah like what you said like I feel like a lot of the times it's like the other way around it's like you worry a lot about like what your parents are gonna think of like who you are if your parents identify as straight but when it's like the other way around it's like I mean I know she's gonna accept me even if like no matter what because she's like also like has been through that. It's interesting that we've never talked about it. I, I, I think I'm grateful for this because like, I'm gonna listen to the episode <laughs> when it comes out and then I, I'm sure I'll have a lot of my own questions that like will open up and I'll, it'll, be, it'll be good. This podcast has actually ended up being like a really good jumping off point for like my parents to ask questions that they like didn't even know that they had before to like address things that they'd like never even heard of or that they were wanted to know but like didn't have the vocabulary didn't know what to say before I'm excited to hear how I mean actually that's probably a pretty like personal thing that you guys will do so you know but I hope that it's uh I hope that this ends up being like a good conversation for you guys I even talked to my sister a little bit about it though I was saying that like first of all before I asked my mom if she wanted to come on like the show I asked my sister I was like should I ask her if she wants to come on like I don't know if she'll be open to it and my sister's also like super excited to hear. And I talked I talked to her about like, cause I think my mom told me that like you guys wanted to talk um, to me about my point of view. And I was like, my sister Sasha, I was like, Sasha, what's, you, what's your point of view? Like, what do you think? And Sasha was like, I never thought about it. Like she never, like it was never like a thing for us. It was just, yeah. I think the, the, the really the biggest part of it is when it's like, I'm explaining like my family, like history. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my, my stepmom, um, lives like in my new house and they're like oh so your dad's there too it's like no my my mom lives there and like, well you just said stepmom so that like interesting mm-hmm. that people like don't it, it's hard to even imagine that that's like an option and I mean it's the whole heteronormativity thing right but like yeah it, that's like the biggest the only time it really ever comes up in my life is when I'm telling other people about that from your mom's point of view, she did say that she thought that it kind of was just kind of like a 
a natural gradual transition. I wonder what was it like when you were younger and it was kind of like all getting started? Like I'm imagining in like some scenarios, like people, like kids definitely would get like made fun of for having like queer parents. It was something that people might be embarrassed to talk about or something like, I don't know. I don't want to, I feel like there's so many different ways it could go when you're, when you're younger, you know, how, how was that? You were in Virginia, right? Yeah, I was in Virginia, but Northern Virginia. So like essentially DC. And so I, I'm, I'm like lucky to be in a very accepting, like I grew up in a very accepting environment and like uh, our high school was also inclusive. It never really was an issue for me. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but I think that's kind of why it added it to it not really being such a big deal because like no one made it a big deal like you guys were saying like yeah yeah so it was nice and I, I mean I don't know if maybe it was different for my little sister because I was in high school but she was in elementary school so I don't know if maybe like mm. it was different in that yeah um area but your mom talked a bunch about kind of the like Russian community in the DC area or the Northern Virginia area, how, from your perspective, are you, and were you growing up, like, pretty involved with that as well? Yeah, for sure. It's very, it was like, we, so my dad is very handy, and he built a sauna at our house, and since, like, being in the sauna is a very Russian, like, bringing people together, like, cultural kind of thing, um, we would have a lot of Russian friends over every weekend, and it'd be like, oh, they know to come to our house. And then there's like a party, like a parent's party, you know, when they have a <laughs> lot of friends over. Um, and they like would go to the sauna and we had like a pool and um, they would do that and they'd bring their kids. So like we'd hang out with the kids while like the parents went to their sauna. Um, and we also went to like, um, I, I refer to them as Russian gatherings really because I don't even know what else to say, but they're like camping trips and everybody on the campsite is Russian and like then they have like all these concerts and everything so it's like a very big community but I don't know if this is the case through her eyes but it really did seem like we had all these friends that were coming over and then her and my dad got divorced and like they didn't come as much because I think like I think that's probably going to be the case like when people get divorced and they have or like are in a relationship and they have friends that they share like there's like mm-hmm. that side picking that happens. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's, that did happen for them. And so like, I think there was, I think she mentioned it in passing once to me, but I do think there were some people who didn't agree with their decisions. And so therefore just like left their lives. Um, but I think now currently she's definitely found like a very strong uh, community. She's in this like Facebook group. I don't know if she talked about this, but she's in this Facebook group that's like, Russian DC area moms. And so her and her wife are both in it. Uh. <laughs> her and her wife are both in it and they're like some of the admins for it. So like they have this group of friends oh. and it's like female power, but also like cultural like unity. And they they even left the, ma- so they had like a main group where there was a bunch of these moms and then they created their own group because that other group was being not too inclusive. So like this new group that she has, a smaller collection of the old group is like, which I think she's really found her that's place. She looks, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Russian DC moms, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
the next Real Housewives. <laughs> oh my God! Imagine, Bravo! So, if you pick that up, we need our credit, <laughs> producer credit. So I know your mom mentioned that she grew up not religious at all because there wasn't religion in Soviet Russia. Did you also grow up just like yeah. no religion really? I didn't really know about like the Soviet Russia thing. I thought she had just like decided to be atheist or even the opposite. I thought she maybe was raised in a very religious um, mm -hmm. environment and that's why she is so atheist. But like my family has always been very like STEM science. Um, my dad, my dad's, a, my dad and my mom are both engineers. My grandpa's a physicist, astrophysicist. So I thought it kind of came from that. Your mom said like a bunch of times that your grandpa's like a very famous scientist in Russia. And it was like, I didn't want to ask. I remember you telling like, me that, Tasia, and I was like, "No wonder she's so smart." <laughs> like, would we know who your grandpa is? Like, I don't know if you'd know, but if you're not like in the physics world, he, mm -hmm. he came up with like a time travel thing, and he, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. He works with black holes and stuff, but that um, time travel principle is like the idea that if you go back in time, you can't really change anything because it like already like the Harry Potter version of time travel, where it like. Uh -huh. You go back in time, but you're not really changing anything because that's what happened. So do you like having two moms? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it doesn't, does it, it doesn't really matter, right? You know, it's like, I have two people who like care about me and um, are involved with raising me, but like, in the end, maybe for other people, the perception of their gender is a big deal, but like, like, you know, like themes through this whole talk right. that we're talking about. It's like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really come up. It's just because yeah. it's there doesn't mean that it's a big deal. And part of that is like, yeah, I have like two moms technically, but like I have two parents that are living together is kind of more like what it feels like. Yeah. And I feel like even asking that question erases the fact that you like also have your dad, right? Yeah. I think it's also, well, when my parents separated, I kept living with my mom. Mm. Um, which is why that's like the more, I guess, nuclear family for me. But my dad, I don't even know if they're married. He has a partner and they have a son. And then also, can you talk to us really quickly about what their wedding was like? Yeah. Um, did she talk about it at all? Not much. Like we brought it up at the tail end because I remember when you went to it. It was like yeah. your freshman year, right? Yeah, it was my sophomore year, I think. Um, yeah. But they basically they didn't want to invite anybody else besides uh, like whoever we were living with. Um, and they specifically waited for Thanksgiving so that I'd be home from college. Cause like they wanted all of us there. Um, and we went to a restaurant, like their favorite restaurant. And we, <laughs> yeah. And we brought, um, our friend, he was living with us at the time and like renting mm -hmm. from us from a room, but he, so he came with us and he like read the, he got ordained or whatever you need to do and read the thing and they were married. And we, but we were like all sitting around a table at a restaurant eating Indian food. It was, it was nice. Cause it was like, it, it did feel like it was like all of us. And like the fact that they didn't care to like, I think it really mattered to my mom, like to, to be able to say like, this is my wife. I think that was very important to her. And I think that's most of the reason they like did that and so I think the wedding itself wasn't like a big deal again like it wasn't a big deal to them it was just they wanted to to be there and to make that commitment yeah and it was pretty good food I like I like Indian food. <laughs> <laughs> focusing on the important things of this of the occasion I, yeah. I understand although some people might feel pressure from their parents to like be straight or be a certain religion the pressure that came from my family was the science 
the thing and it was like I don't like I don't care I'll cover my eyes for your for your sexual identity marker but like the marker for which major you're doing it better be engineering <laughs> it's like different values and it's I mean I'm lucky that I actually like engineering that's what I probably would have done anyway but um it did help that that was under the umbrella of things that were okay all right do we want to wrap it up I guess is there anything else you guys want to talk about I'm good thanks for uh <laughs> I'm good do you have any other advice for anyone oh yeah what's something I mean, that maybe would... yeah like maybe anyone I mean I don't know like is this a super rare thing that happens I don't know I'm trying to... do you know anyone else who like who's been, been I actually like, a did know somebody who was like I did know somebody who was an acquaintance like we weren't really friends who had like two dads like her dad got divorced from her mom and then her dad um married another man but I that I knew her before my mom my parents got divorced and we like stopped being acquaintances before then so mm. I did know somebody one person I mean maybe I don't know how common it is but I'm trying to think like what my advice would be having open conversations like I know it's not always easy I know like a lot of the times the conversation is around the the kid who like um has to ha like have that difficult conversation with their parents and not know how they're going to react but like I think sometimes like the parents are wondering the same thing like will my kid accept me will they still like think of me the same way will they still look up to me like I'm I'm certain those are things that are going through their mind so like if you're in a position where you're comfortable to do so like having open conversations um and like knowing that like the love is still there is like I think would probably be like useful for both sides and like the thing like what I'm saying is like, I'm regretting is I wish I talked more to my mom about like like her thoughts about everything and not just like how it manifested because maybe like it would have helped me or something like that I don't know um if you're comfortable to do so open up those those connections and those conversations yeah. I really like that. It definitely, I think, I think just like in general, in terms of like the parent-child relationship in this country, and this is obviously a huge generalization, we oftentimes like as children forget that our parents are like regular people who have, you know, feelings and life experiences and go through things. Um, yeah, don't have all the answers and are just normal people too. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's great advice. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be so, um, uh, yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I need to go back to bed. Any more coffee? Well, Tasia, thanks for chatting with us. This was fun. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share my point of view. Of course. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, it was nice to talk to you guys. Yeah. I miss you guys. Yeah, honestly. Good to see you too. We reached out to Elena and Tasia for any organizations that they would like to highlight at the end of this episode. And um, Elena said, anything anti-Trump works for me. <laughs> um, more specifically, they wanted to highlight FairVote as an organization that um, was very important to them, which advocates for free and fair elections. Yeah, the cool thing about FairVote, too, is that it's it's nonpartisan, um, just as voting is a nonpartisan issue. It's, you know, if you care about democracy 
<laughs> you know, it shouldn't matter. You should understand that everybody deserves to have their say. So amongst a plethora of other issues that go into <laughs> voting in this country, Fair Vote is, um, they're doing a great job. If you guys want to hear us talk a little bit more about uh, voting, the state of voting in this country, um, check out our previous episode, The Gayest Catholic School Ever. Ari does a really good job talking about that, and we have a pretty cool discussion about what it means to vote in this country. Yes, and pulling what from Tasia and Elena said, they think that fair vote is super important, especially in um, promoting ranked choice voting and fair representation in multi-winner legislative districts, especially with Trump directly threatening fair elections currently with what what is going on with the U.S. Postal Service and beyond, um, as well as the recently released federal investigation into the Russian pro-Trump interference in the last election in 2016 and other current events such as the rigged election in Belarus. We all think that this is a very, very important initiative. Um, Everybody should do what they can to register to vote. It really does not take very long. Everybody should do what they can in order to register to vote and critically think about how their role in the upcoming election affects the queer people they love, along with a lot of other things. Also, Elena is very passionate about finding like-minded communities online. Um, She referenced Facebook groups and how that support has helped her personally. I found a lot of that through YouTube. Ari, in the last episode, talked about how she kind of found that through Tumblr. Um, And Elena's suggestions, from her personal experience, are the Russian Americans against Trump and the Russian-speaking Democrat Club. Hell yeah. Yeah, you could check your voter registration status a number of ways. There's a lot of different ways that you can check. One easy one is just to go to vote.org and then right there on the homepage, it'll say check your registration or it'll let you register to vote. Um, You know, a number of different ways. Make sure you're checking your status. If you're not in your home state, remember to register for your absentee ballot ASAP. ASAP. ASAP Rocky. All right, that's it. We'll see you guys again next week. All right, goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Bye.